0: Thank you for downloading this episode of the Cast Iron Theatre Podcast.
1: I'm Andrew Allen.
0: And I'm Michelle Donkin.
1: It's been a busy week here at Cast Iron Towers. We uh, normally intend to get these episodes out uh, once a week, but actually they come out a lot more often.
0: They are. Yeah, it's Fringe.
1: It is the Fringe. Uh, We've been hanging out in all the cool places. We've been at the sweet venues, um, the waterfront, the Mm. jukebox. We've also been at the Spiegel Tent today. We have. And uh, we were hanging out at the Warren uh, yesterday. Yes. We bumped into an old friend, Alexandra McLeod, who we uh, met at the very first Cast Iron Night. Yeah. And she's now busy working with CSI Improv.
0: She is. She's fabulous.
1: It was was fantastic to see the the long line of really excited uh, people lying up outside the theatre box at the one, yeah, and we had a lovely long conversation with Alex afterwards. And in this episode of the Cast Iron Theatre podcast, we've been chatting to uh, the NVT, the new Venture Theatre, to Lizzie Stanton. Yes. Who's playing Lulu. In Lulu. Yes. Uh, Not Lulu the pop singer. No. Lulu the sex siren, demon, vixen, temptress
0: exactly that yes
1: i don't quite know where i'm going with this no i i, I feel like ourselves into a conversational cold de yeah i don't really
0: know how to help you out so we were chatting to her we were
1: chatting to her uh this is what it sounds like
0: yeah you should listen
1: see you on the other side This is episode 12 of the Cast Iron Theatre podcast. We're even deeper into the fringe now uh, with lots of uh, lovely, uh, gorgeous productions that we've been um, seeing over the past couple of days. And today we're going to be talking to representatives of the new Venture Theatre about their upcoming production of Lulu. Um, so, hello. Hello. Uh, hello. You're Lizzie?
2: Yes. Lizzie, I'm playing Lulu in Lulu.
1: So we should point out that uh, just in case people get confused, it's not the life story of a 1960s pop singer.
2: No, it is not.
1: So uh, let's uh, hear a little bit about that. Who is Lulu? Who was Lulu? Uh,
2: well, Lulu is. Um, it's a very good question, really. It's a play written by Frank Wedekind. Uh, he's a German playwright. He's most famously known for writing um, *Spring Awakening*. Yeah. Um, and there's a hearsay that. Lulu is based on um, a real person called Lou Salome, who he met in Paris. Um, but there's actually no proof of it. Basically, it's a story of um, quite a promiscuous bourgeois woman uh, who makes her way through several romantic affairs and relations with men until it's called a sex tragedy when it was originally released. Yeah. And, when um, was that? Uh, 1895 It's a bit difficult because actually It was originally published as uh, Two different plays Well he wrote it as one play And his publishers were the ones who deemed it Too scandalous to actually publish So he had to split the second half From the first half So he published the first half uh, Originally and then he Added to the second half, published it again So it's under two names And then it later became the Lulu plays So the first one was Earth Spirit The second one became Pandora's Box, which actually became made into the film with Louise Brooks. and There's been several different um, formats, even a Metallica album, (laughs) Lou Reed, you know, all sorts of uh, inspiration taken from it. But yeah, this character, Lulu, is sort of this enigmatic femme fatale. um, And it's the story of her really trying to get inside her head and why she does what she does and... You know her relations with men and women, actually.
1: Yeah, um, as indeed that that uh, film Pandora's Box explores, which um, which is in the, from the twenties. Mm-hmm. For, for anybody who's aware of the story of Lulu, they are probably aware of it via um, the Pandora's Box adaptation with Louise Brooks. Yeah. And in terms of imagery. Um, That's one of the most uh, iconic, you know, Mm. she casts a pretty long shadow in terms of sensuality, in terms of um, um, screen persona. Mm. Is it a shadow that you felt weighed down on you or the production?
2: No, not really, because there's been so many examples of it. I've kind of dipped toes into all of them without focusing on one in particular so yeah. when I was preparing for the role because we're doing a modern adaptation I actually read I think it's about five different oh no, it was four um, different translations of the script um, you know ranging from the 80s all the way back to when it's first written um, yeah. and then you know each of them are so different so I sort of had this concept of this creation of Lulu this this enigmatic character that people just fall down in front of. Literally, um, <laughs> literally they fall for and from. Both metaphorically yes, and a- physically. Is, yes, absolutely. Well, there's
1: something really interesting about that in terms of how to play somebody that seductive, mm. how to play a, a person so alluring. I remember reading the um, original audition notices and... What was intriguing, what was quite attractive about those additional notices was that the character note had nothing to do about with physical attractiveness or whatever. It was about how alluring they were, uh, how alluring other people found them, which would seem to be a better way in.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, I also remember reading those notices and I think it was she can hold a stare and hold the gaze of everyone in the room.
1: Um, Are you able to hold the stare and hold the gaze?
2: (laughs) I don't know. Um, Maybe in character. I struggle. I think, you know, I'm I'm a Londoner and I struggle to maintain eye contact with people even on the tube. So it's kind of been fun getting into this character who I think is really quite far removed from who I am as a person in some ways.
1: Yeah, I think uh, there's something really important about that in terms of um, character notes in audition notices because quite often we will read uh, an audition note that says uh, hot, beautiful, handsome, or whatever. And no matter what you, one might think of their own looks, one might think, well, well, I think I'm okay looking, but in terms of am I going to rock up to an audition and say, look at me, I'm hot.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's so cringy. I mean, that's just a whole different culture, isn't it? Um, I think we saw, I saw one the other day, I was joking with my boyfriend. It's sort of like... uh, hot, beautiful girl who must be able to cry on spot to play <laughs> to play, you the know, girlfriend. romantic lead. Yes yeah. like, oh God. I mean
1: Whereas the um, character notes <laughs> for the male character seem to be can wear a shirt. <laughs>
2: Yeah, tell me about it.
1: Um, so, uh, so you're you're a Londoner rather than uh, Brighton. We normally say uh, uh, that we're chatting to people who are living in Brighton, working in Brighton. Yep. Uh For so strictly speaking, you're you're working in Brighton. Yes, I am working
2: in Brighton. Introduction I mean, to the MVT. Uh, it's definitely my introduction to the MVT. Um, I could sort of say I'm a bit of a Brightoner. Probably not because you don't even say that. But um, my mum lives in. Oh, Chemtown. we're going to get
1: letters. <laughs> We, 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 most other places we get, we get emails but we, yeah. we'd get letters <laughs>
2: okay yeah
1: it's all very retro get hipster. writing your yeah.
2: formal complaints yeah. now
1: it's hipster email it's a letter
2: yeah
1: um so um you've see so this is the way you're contractually obliged to go oh no it's been lovely it's been great but how have you found uh, uh, the mbt new it's been fan- i
2: mean it has been fantastic like i absolutely love the cast that i'm working with and yeah. i'm learning a lot from them um Particularly because like, we're doing stuff that I'd never done before. So uh, we're working with this guy, Sam, or Samuel Dutton, who used to be former head of puppetry at the RSC. And we're doing all oh, this fantastic. really cool stuff with sort of shadow manipulations. I mean, I don't even know what the technical term is for it, but we have this light and I don't want to give too much no. away, but a lot of the story and some of the quite dramatic bits are told through this beautiful imagery that we're creating through shadows of objects and our bodies and our faces and... Um, Yeah, so it's been a process, and it's been fantastic to learn from them. And, uh, yeah, I mean... Well, that's interesting
1: in terms of, uh, even though it's a modern adaptation of uh, Lulu, it still seems to be borrowing things from, for instance, the Pandora's Box 29 version, because of the German expression of cinema. So as soon as you start talking about shadow puppetry, that makes me think that there's a little bit of shared DNA there.
2: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think there's, like... uh, I mean, the posters are out. you see I'm wearing a wig that's quite similar to Louise Brooks' hairstyle. So there's definitely sort of strands that we've drawn from it. But because it's a modern adaptation, you know, the language is completely different. um, And the way that we're handling... Uh, the the I guess the occurrences in the text and the the plot. Um, well, also I'm aware.
1: Again, we're worried about spoilers. I'm aware that there's a, a particular end to the original play, a particular end to Lulu's original story yeah. that is quite appropriate to the time yeah. that's originally yeah. set. Uh, is that is that particular ending retained, or is it, has it been adapted uh, and changed?
2: It we I mean don't know how much I should really reveal here <laughs> uh, it might
1: be a, a, a sh- it might be a very heavy edit well,
2: uh, no, I, I, I'm allowed to talk about this I, I think uh, basically uh, Wiedekind was writing or was quite I guess uh, morbidly fascinated with Jack the Ripper and yeah. uh, Lulu at the end becomes one of Jack the Ripper's victims yes um, and obviously we're translating it to a modern time we haven't got Jack the Ripper you know coming back from the dead and through Shadow Puppetry to kill me, but, um. That would be an awesome that, trailer, that, though, that wouldn't would it? Have been awesome. Well, actually, I guess in a certain ways that, that might be what it could be conceived as, yeah. but it's just much more vague than that. Um, I, you know, we haven't got, we haven't named this character at the end. Yeah. Um, uh, and.
1: There's something that just occurred to me, uh, which um, is a sort of like a uh, really deep and meaningful question that I should really have prepped you for. But if Lulu is um, spending most of her narrative being unapologetically sexual and powerful and mm-hmm. sweeping through women and men like a whirlwind, what does her end say? Is that a judgment? Mm-hmm. Is that unrelated? Mm-hmm. Or what is that?
2: Well, this is a question I've been sort of asking myself since I've read the first version that I read uh, and it's sort of been you know it's been what's the word oscillating between whether I think it's a feminist statement or um, whether we're supposed to pity her I mean the thing about Lulu particularly in some of the versions of the text is that you can read her and you can think oh my gosh she has no empathy you know she's a protagonist that I think you could quite easily dislike in some ways just because you can't conceive of why she does what she does or how she's become who she has Um, through acting it and through getting deeper and deeper you realise her backstory and you realise she's had a really quite a troubled upbringing
0: um,
2: particularly in regards to her relations with her father who was physically and sexually abusive Um, so I don't know what the ending says about it Um, and I think what this production is trying to do is just sort of throw it out there as Wiedekind you know, intend it to be done, uh, and not provide answers, but sort of let people, you know, it it creates a ground for top conversation, and particularly with everything that's going on in our society yeah. today. Um, uh, <laughs> Trump, um, yeah, people, you know, the idea of what it means to be a woman in modern society, and uh, you know, have uh, interacting with men in power, because I think in 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 the play, Lulu has come from poverty and has entered bourgeois society because of the generosity or maybe not really so generous um, under the surface um, actions of men who have taken a liking to or to who she is seduced. Um, and she's sort of tossed around between them, but it almost seems like she's choosing to be tossed. So it's, it's, I don't know, I really don't know what people will come away thinking of it, but it's just such a gritty, gritty, raw play and a fantastic character to try and understand. And
1: I guess there is a metaphor there, depending on whatever which way you want to interpret it, that many people try to own her, but she burns back, and the only way to that that gets extinguished is literally to extinguish it.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's really interesting, the sort of the the dynamic between victim and, you know, a fighter. Yeah. And actually, you don't really see the victim in her much. Like, there's quite a lot of horrific stuff that happens to her in yeah. the play, but she picks herself up and she gets on with it. I think it's because of what she's been doing since almost as young as she can remember.
1: Does that make it an exhausting role to play, or is it uh, quite a physical role for you to play?
2: Um, Yes, very physical. Uh, I don't know how exhausting it is yet, to be honest. Um, I sort of learned that through the process of the runs that I've done. I've been very lucky in that the last couple of roles I have played have all been really great in in the same sort of regard so i mean i played nora helmer in a doll's house and then i was eliza doolittle in pygmalion um and i just so you're
1: on a a complete run of tiny tiny powerful women in male society
2: yes absolutely and uh (laughs) the last play that i did at the southwark playhouse um was this character leona in a tennessee williams play a lesser known one um, and I mean, that was just, she was a force of nature, but yeah. you know, this, that play opened with her catching her boyfriend cheating on her with her best friend. Um, uh, it, and it was a play with eight male characters to females just me oh and actually we changed the doctor to be female but um
1: Tasty williams does uh, like his uh, powerful whirlwind of women
2: exactly Which exactly that? it's confessional.
1: confessional um
2: yes. so yeah I've, I've come from quite a long series of uh fantastic roles like i'm just incredibly lucky to have been given the opportunities that i've um that i have um playing these characters And um, Lulu is just another one that I'm sort of, you know, landed on my lap. And I'm like, oh, wow, how am I going to do this? And it's been different for every single process.
1: Sure. So (laughs) you're being directed at the NVT by Scott Roberts, uh, who uh, was going to be here today for this interview, but uh, can't be because he's busy being a director. Yep. Uh, That that suggests all manner of... Technical aspects going on.
2: Yep, there's all sorts of things going on, some of which, as a cast, we haven't even seen yet um, because it's all. It's it's tricky, but it's (laughs) also exciting because we're sort of being broken into this world slowly and yeah. um, he's working with um, Dottie James who's a, a YouTuber yeah. uh, quite a following she has and she's doing all of this you know, fantastic projection stuff and also part of the reason why we haven't done it is because as we're going through the rehearsals and blocking it out we're discovering oh this would be really cool if sure. we could have this then so poor Dottie's getting like a list of yeah. things oh this is what we want you to do in the projection as well and can you do this and in between this section and this section can you just make that
1: um so where where are you at the mvt where were you in the the
2: space upstairs uh, in the space
1: upstairs because yeah yeah, the mvt has two spaces the studio downstairs and in the um the upstairs uh, theater yeah so um have you managed to get into the space oh yeah
2: definitely we've been uh been uh, owning it it's been painted with you know tickets are selling um
1: that's (laughs) the point When, when do you open
2: uh, 18th, the 18th which is a week
1: tomorrow a week tomorrow at the uh, time of this recording uh, yep. I, we're very busy here at Cast Iron Towers it could be that you know it, it opened a week yesterday but,
2: but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the 18th of the 27th Excellent. of May Um uh, that's, uh, the,
1: that's the New Venture Brighton Fringe production yep it's, it's, it uh, is Fringe indeed production. Um, So we should speak a little bit about, because we we don't necessarily often get people who are making their careers outside of Brighton. Mm. uh, And so, train. Yeah,
2: I did. Um, I sort of, I started acting, I think, for fun when I was um, at university in the States. I went to Brown University and I was doing a liberal arts degree. And um, I sort of discovered acting at the same time as I thought I was going to be, you know, following the same footsteps of my father working in international development um so i've sort of had a scattered upbringing all you know all across the world and ended up in the states for my degree and then discovered acting um realized that you know development development wasn't for me uh and uh got my b.a in theater arts from brown and then applied to royal central which is where i did my master's in acting for screen um so i came over back to the uk or England uh, to do that in yeah. London and I graduated in 2014 so
1: do you remember what you did as your audition
2: what did I do as my audition yes um I did some Tennessee Williams <laughs> uh it was a Cal uh, from Orpheus Descending she's a really you... sexual uh she's also sort of a firecracker of a character.
1: You are determined to go for the lesser known Tennessee Williams. You're, I am, Not yeah. even on Milk Train doesn't stop her anymore. You're, you're going right to the... <laughs> no, no, yeah. The, the obscure lacquer.
2: ones. Yeah. Um, I don't know why. Uh, I well, it's, just, it's helpful for the auditionees yeah, to exactly. see the 17th version Exactly. Of. I think that's what I was going for. Yeah. Um, and then what was my classical? I think I must have done... It might have been Portia from Julius Caesar. But yeah. it might... Also have been the jailer's daughter from Two Noble Kinsmen.
1: And you're um, going to be uh, playing somebody else later on in the year. You're going to be part of the Edinburgh Friends.
2: Yes, I am indeed. Uh, I'm going to be playing a character called Ruby, who is a boxer in the 80s, trying to make it through as a professional boxer. Um, So training has already begun for that. As So you're boxing. Yep. Um, uh, well, mostly at the moment, just <laughs> trying to figure out how on earth I can skip, um, skip on stage sure. because I'm very dyspraxic, as all of the cast of um, Lulu will tell you. I'm walking into things <laughs> all the time. Um, yeah, so I'm training, boxing, uh, some weights. And then when Lulu's done, uh, there's a gym near me, a boxing gym, where the training's really going to kick off.
0: With the
1: life of an actor. Uh, eh?
2: Yeah, really exciting, though. Just, you know... Immerse yourself in something else. I love I love that. Um,
1: Did you see uh, Bitch Boxer a few years back?
2: Uh, I haven't. It's actually sitting on my um, desk as a project to yeah. dive into the yeah. script. Yeah, when but when I get back, when it's done. That was
1: a delightful uh, one-woman show. Yeah, uh, um, yeah, I heard about it. Yeah, I heard it was a really about powerful it. performance. I think I saw it... At the Marlborough in Brighton uh, a couple of yeah, years back. Really, yeah. Um, uh, what's the name of the play that you're in?
2: It's called The Sweet Science. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be um, at C2, which is 155 seater at the end of the Royal Mile. Yeah. Um, uh, for the whole run, so from the 20, uh, from the 2nd to the 28th yeah. of August. Um And I should also mention, that it's called The Sweet Science because it's simultaneously a story about boxing, as well as being a female in modern day, uh, trying to, I guess, be considered. Um, on a sort of equal level yeah. as men in a tech startup.
1: So what um, is the, yeah, uh, I guess that's part of the nature of the title. What is the sweet science?
2: Well, it simultaneously refers to boxing uh, from the, you know, a uh, quote by, was it Muhammad Ali, probably, uh, who was also the one who said uh, float like a butterfly sting like a bee or yeah. as my director says sting like a lizzie bee because that's a nickname that my family gave to me Amazing. um so yeah i'll be playing uh, ruby in the 80s as a boxer and yeah. ruby modern day in a tech startup
1: is it the same ruby or is it the a same movie?
2: ruby so it's sort of so like, she's got 20 years 30 yeah years difference. exactly well it's sort of like a i guess it, we haven't fleshed it out yet um it's still because being it's a written. new play. because it's a new play yeah um, so Jack's going to be writing it Jack's the director that I've worked with before He's the one who directed Confessional Which started actually at the Edinburgh Fringe yeah. 2015 yeah. and then transferred to The Southern Playhouse last October
0: sure.
2: um, And now we're coming back two years later To the Fringe again with a play that he wrote
1: So uh, Jack's the writer and director Yeah, Jack Jack Silver How is it when the writer and the director is the same person? Do, do they are? This is a question hmm. I find myself asking a lot on the podcast yeah. Do the writer and director argue?
2: Interesting to say this. Uh, actually, I think if I'm not mistaken, uh, Scott is my first experience. Yeah, of um, being directed by the same person who wrote it, because of course Scott is writing the adaptation of Lulu. Um, of course, yeah, we haven't yeah. really
1: mentioned that yet. Or, yeah,
0: yeah,
1: yeah. I'd forgotten that too, because quite modestly, he uh, doesn't credit his own name on, no, on the poster. No, he, he, he gives it to the original uh, author. Yeah.
2: yeah. Well, I think it's because, you know, he's had a lot of help and he's really not trying to, um, you know, do anything too extravagant with it. He wants to strip the story to the the bare minimum and, you know, just highlight uh, the themes of it for the modern world. So apart from modernizing the language, um, he's, you know, he's trying to be as true to the story as he possibly can. Yeah. So he, he got his friend Frida to um, translate it. So yeah. she sat down and literally translated all five acts of the original, which is something like five and a half hours worth of stage time.
1: It's a fairly lengthy play, I think. Um, it is, yeah. One of the most recent translations, which is still in seventy eight, was yeah. the National. Was yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, locking yourself in for the evening performance. <laughs>
2: Definitely, um, I think Friede Kint sort of championed the epic yeah. uh, with Lulu. Um, So he, Frida has translated it and Scott has taken that, you know, and just pretty much birthed it into a a modern day, modern day Lulu.
1: But there is a difference, isn't there, between um, a writer taking a structure that already exists and fleshing it out into something that's more accessible now Mm -hmm. than to somebody who's writing something, essentially writing something for you yeah um from scratch
2: yeah well i'm i'm just uh delighted uh to be to be know that i'm going to be the lead ruby in this play and the sweet science um because uh, jack and i worked together you know we got really well um and i know that he he knows my strengths as an actor and he knows in some ways i can say you know i'm probably better at the extreme emotional stuff, yeah. the anger and the pain and the, you know, the the fighting through being a victim yeah. than I am at the, you know, can I order a cup of coffee uh, sort of or day to day chat, you know, that yeah. sort of stuff. Like for some reason, I, I find it easier to go to darker places and yeah. I've played broken characters quite a lot. But well, What if um, you
1: were to... Um order a cup of coffee really upset and broken what, what if you were going to go can I please have a fucking cup of coffee? I
2: could probably do you could that. Do, you
1: could do the female version of falling down. Yeah. Um, so we talking about jumps as an actor at the end of 30 days of playing a boxer at Edinburgh yeah. you're going to be ripped
2: well I hope so I'm <laughs> hoping to be ripped beforehand uh, I'm not going to make the same mistake as the last time when I was in Edinburgh which is you know having a few drinks with the cast members afterwards and then getting a chest infection from the first week in when I've got was deliberate of the though, was it no it wasn't deliberate but it was just stupid really because i was like oh great Edinburgh, time of my life i'm having so much fun and then i wasn't having fun for a very long time <laughs>
1: uh, and did you still have to perform with the i did objective? yeah
2: actually it was it was in a way it was a blessing in disguise because there was a moment every stage of the performance uh that i had to sort of grab a bag off somebody and i don't know what it was i quite enjoyed it i guess it's a bit morbid of me to be saying this but there's a bit where I'd sort of lose my vision for a yeah. bit and I'd see stars because I'd been from sitting down yeah. to shouting to grabbing a bag of somebody. Um and I realised that, oh okay, so what's going on here when I, I lose my sight and I, I realise that it's to do with my breath. Yes. And I actually had a one on one with the vocal coach Patsy Rodenberg. Oh yes. And she um yeah, I was really lucky to get that. And I think it's because I'd explained the situation to yeah. her. She's like, "Okay, so let's get to the bottom of this." And through extensive, you know, working on my voice and you know the exercises that she gave me, I've kind of pinpointed that. Oh, actually, I was not accessing a part of my bag from when so. I'd uh, had an accident, you know, a couple of years back. And uh, now, uh, you know, it's helped me become a much more rounded actor. And able to project a lot more.
1: So that's, you know, near unconsciousness is quite an extreme way to... That's a road to Damascus, (laughs) auto-erotic, kind of moment, isn't it?
2: I guess so. I mean... Yeah, I don't, I never saw it that way. It's just like, you know, I kind of, I I'm get so, through. I'm
1: the, so sorry to have it for you. <laughs> it's
2: alright. Like, I get through the end of the performance, and this is the thing. Like, people would come up and speak to me, and then, you know, like a week later or a month later, they'd say, oh yeah, I spoke to you, it was lovely to meet. And I just, like, I had no idea who they were, because you're in that post-show oh, sort to be of Oh, fair.
1: That's a fairly regular edinburgh Exactly. thing.
2: Exactly. Exactly. Um, uh, but it's also just like a post show, and then you know it's it's not anywhere near the end. So I kind of forgot yeah, about it yeah. until the next performance, and then I was there again. I was like, oh, this is happening I again. See, yeah, yeah. This is quite weird. Um,
1: so you had you had some voice coaching with uh, Patsy Oneberg, yeah. who's iconic, yeah, in, in terms of uh, theatre. Yeah. Um, so I'm duty bound to ask: Have you met any other icons?
0: Um.
2: Oh God. Well, yeah, I have. Um. So now you're panicking.
1: who you're going to miss out now, aren't you?
2: Well, yeah, I mean, I've, I'm lucky to um, uh, have been to invited to quite a few BAFTA events. So yeah. I've, I've um, oh, this feels awful, like shameless and name dropping. But <laughs> one, person, one person one person I would really like to talk about actually was Alan Rickman before course, yeah. he died um, because I was about to be on stage as Nora and I'd, you know, just been cast and um, I had about four and a half weeks before I was on stage to learn all of all of it and I was just freaking out because the lines had just been given to me and it's something like you know it's the female Hamlet but she's probably slightly more verbal diarrhea than Hamlet is so it's 700 lines (laughs) there's um 700 lines and some of the lines you know like sort of paragraph long yeah um eighteen hundreds, English. Yeah. Um, and I had to do all of that and I said, you know, like once I've got these lines, how on earth do I just commit myself? And um Alan just said, Well, you've just got to be true to each second in the moment.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, and, you know, each thought to thought. And it really sort of helped me because I was like, okay, you know, sit down with the text, realize what what sentences are through thoughts and then which, where does she go off in a different direction. Yeah. And it's sort of been a way that I've tackled a text since. Yeah. Um, and he was, you know, he was just so, we didn't, I mean, he obviously knew himself that he had cancer then. Yeah. But, um, you know, he, he uh, he from people that I knew who knew him, apparently he sort of arranged lunch with the people that he felt he needed to say goodbye to before he went, yes. without telling them, yeah. Um, so he sort of had his goodbyes without letting people know what was course, going on with him. Yeah. yeah. So that was that was really. I feel very lucky to have yeah. met him and to have ha- had him give me that advice. Really. Um, it
1: seems to be a good example of who he was. His name turned up on my um, feed this morning. Yeah. Uh, because a friend of a friend has recently died. And la- uh, two years ago, he was in a show, this yeah. friend of a friend, and Anna Whitman was in the audience, in the bar office, it was a local Brighton show. Yeah, he just, wow. He just quietly rocked up, yeah. saw the show, yeah. hung around afterwards, uh, which is not necessarily something you expect from yeah. Professor Snape. Uh, no, you others. don't, do you? So let's um, return to uh, Lulu. Um yeah. It's your... it's. I say your name, certainly the name of your character um, mm. on the poster. Um, how big is the company? Uh,
2: there are six of us. Th- that's a relatively small company. It is quite Is it multi role for the. Yeah, so two of the characters are each playing uh, three roles. Yeah. And then the rest of us are sort of staking with our characters. So
1: there's a, there's a bit of a dark, it's a, a darkly erotic sort of. Uh, um, Story. Yeah. And as you've alluded to, she becomes, um, for want of a better word, a prostitute towards the end of the play. Yeah. Um, and she's, as you've already mentioned, not treated that well. Not necessarily a play with a lot of laughs.
2: So. I don't know. I, I think the thing is, is that, you know, so much is sort of thrown at the audience. Um, so much happens in quick succession. Yes. And there's so many changes that, you know, in a way there has to be sort of innate humor in it. Yeah. Um, and also I think with the puppetry and just some of the, some of the brilliant little uh, changes and things that, that Scott's picked out on in, in the text, I think there will be some humor in it. Yeah. Um, also, I don't, I, I'm just a personal fan of, well, I believe that you can't really take people to dark places without, Letting them see the light first, so you can't re—you know—people won't cry unless they've laughed, and they won't feel for a character unless they've seen the light, or you know, they won't go to the darkest places without that.
1: And I guess audiences often want to laugh anyway, so if you are relentlessly dark with them, they might get a bit hysterical anyway and laugh for the wrong reasons.
2: Exactly, Um, yeah, potentially. Um, hadn't thought about it that way but <laughs> probably and likely
1: I, I, I'm glad to mention that to you a week before you yeah. <laughs> uh, um, and how has rehearsal been if if it's you're the one character or the yeah. one of the two actors who are playing a single role is there a level of separation either deliberate or accidental
2: not at all really because um the way that Scott's um organize it is that pretty much all the characters are on stage at all times so um without giving too much away you know
1: well we had the ending yeah
2: well this is true actors come on when they're doing a scene but otherwise they're sitting in the wings and um because i mean the original play is set across three different countries um and you know multiple sets and stuff it would just be ridiculous to try and get you know different different entire new sets for everything so we've been quite creative and use um a lot of artistic license yes. for what what becomes what prop wise um and how they get on stage so i guess the the other actors who aren't in the scenes are sort of like a a, a safety net a comfort yes. net um stage managers yes. everything you know the, the, it's a very hands-on play for everybody at all times, pretty much. Yeah. Um, there's no sort of tuning out when, when other actors are on stage because, uh, they'll be needed for sound effects sure. or they'll be needed for this prop or the, the, the set is very interactive yeah. I don't want to give too much away it's really cool
1: well you've indicated something about uh, the actors being needed for sound effects yeah. or you, so there's something very tangible about everything that's going on at any one time
2: absolutely we're not
1: going to be waiting for two minutes or four minutes for an elegant set change with some lovely recorded music in the dark for four minutes nope nope no. it'll
2: be very Brechtian in fact Brecht was I was um, avoiding
1: using that word <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> I was going to say it sounds very Brechtian it's been some <laughs> time since I've studied and I thought oh I'm going to make a I'm going to screw that up it's not Brechtian at all but no it is yeah
2: absolutely it is in fact Brecht was very um influenced by Wiedekind he was at his funeral so yes.
1: um he wasn't uh, influenced by the funeral though was he
2: no I don't think so oh well maybe maybe I, I, that's I, what happened God,
1: that's, a, that's a sketch has <laughs> occurred to me a Brechtian funeral
2: oh, would we'll he even have a coffin
1: probably we'll, not we'll just have a sign saying this is a coffin Yeah. <laughs> oh, some I, sort oh, of I'm having that yeah uh, we, we <laughs> your say, next
2: your next production <laughs> yeah yeah
1: we say on the podcast a lot. Uh, what idea did you come up with that um, somebody else has stolen? Uh, yeah. I just had the idea while recording of, of a Brechtian funeral. Uh, but I guess I must ask you that now. Um, okay. uh, we ask often: Have you, in your childhood, as you were younger, did you come up with yeah. an idea for an invention or an idea for a film, oh. and that you didn't actually do anything with, and then somebody got to before you did? Uh, you know, we've had um, we've had come up before the concept of internet shopping. That's been one before.
2: Really?
1: So yeah, what did you come up with?
2: Um, I feel like I've had so many of those instances, but now that I've been asked, I'm like, oh God, what is one of them?
1: What do we also um, sometimes ask people on the uh, podcast is, are you reading a book at the moment? Are you been watching something on Netflix at the moment? Have you seen a film recently that you'd really recommend to the rest of us? Mm,
0: um, Reading books at the
2: moment. Um, I've started, just for curiosity, you know, I uh, read the first few chapters of of, uh, Aziz Ansari's, I don't know how to pronounce his name, but Modern Romance, Mm -hmm. and that's kind of like, uh, wow, because romance today is very different from what it was you know in our parents generation and yeah. particularly our grandparents generation and what what was completely mind-blowing for me is because you know now we have it's a bit like your play actually what i saw the other day that the sort of the tinder swiping right now oh right yes, now. Yes. you know the net from from people that we can draw on for our idea of romance is just exponentially increased yeah. whereas um this guy Aziz was um interviewing people in old people's homes or that's probably not the right word for it the people had actually married within um often the same neighborhood but yes. something mad like 60 percent within three blocks and even in New York City and you know sort of Hong Kong within the same apartment building Yeah. so that they, that they'd ended up with partners from within the same apartment building as them um and just that that I think back in the day romance was you know, a way of getting your independence and getting away from your parents and, you know, starting a family of your own. Now it's sort of held up to this impossible of ideal yes. of, you know, finding the person that's right for you. And, you know, there is only one soulmate out there and, yeah. uh, you know, swiping right and left. So anyway, that that sort of has intrigued me, this concept. Yeah. Um, when we talk
1: about um, our parents' generation or our grandparents' generation, forgetting that within the rough distance of 20 odd years or so yeah. our parents generation and our grandparents generation are the ones who would take the credit for inventing sex that so they're you know the, 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 <laughs> the 60s or 70s uh yeah. woodstock generation
2: yeah yeah i guess <laughs> i mean i also think though that prostitution is probably the oldest profession on the planet um uh so it's a it's a bit of a i don't know um
1: But prostitution isn't particularly thought of as being that romantic unless you've been um lied to by Julia Roberts' films.
2: <laughs> oh, good point. Um yeah, definitely. Um definitely. And I think that's also where there's a lot of this sort of confusion about this character Lulu as well. Yes. Because she's confused times when she has been treated when she's basically um been used with Yes romantic relations
1: and also because she is somewhat uh, not not necessarily a courtesan but she's often a companion her, her clients uh will be she wouldn't be hidden away necessarily she'd be held no. proudly on the arm's yeah, trophy
2: yeah absolutely um one thing that's congruent across all of the versions is that one of her first husbands sort of has friends around to come and see her dance and all of these yeah. you know minuscule costumes and that sort of thing. And, um, yeah, uh, one of the lines in this version is, you know, I say, uh, he comes back, he makes me try all the clothes again. Sometimes he brings friends back for their opinion, uh, for their opinions of what I'm wearing. And the guy that I'm with says, does that not disgust you? And I say, why do you think I'm ugly? So it's almost sort of like, uh, it would only be disgusting if I was ugly or yes. you know, and it just sort of provides a little glimpse into her mind frame. She.
1: It's a little oblique reference to things like Instagram as well, where mm. there's thousands of um, um, selfies and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think we've been using some of that as well yeah. in, in this production um, for the modern adaptation. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, be looking out for the the projections. Okay. <laughs> and, yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yes. Um,
1: and yeah, are there other books or films or podcasts that you've been distracted by?
2: Um, I've been getting into um, just some sort of general podcasts. I've been following the the uh, topic of uh, meditation yeah. for um, for acting, particularly. Yes. Um, there's a great one. Let me see if I can remind myself what it's called. But it's um, basically it's talking to Arnold Schwarzenegger about um,
1: a meditation about, tape voiced about... <laughs> by Arnold Schwarzenegger.
2: <laughs> it sounds completely ridiculous. That would be fantastic. But, um, I will terminate hang your on. fear. No. <laughs> Yeah, let me just see what what it was called. I've got it right here actually. Um, my podcast. What is it called? Uh, the Tim Ferriss Show. And okay. he's one of one of the ones that he talks about is you know sort of the. Um, Tim Ferriss basically interviews people who are very successful in their field and he tries to pick up on themes that um, are concurrent.
0: we slightly to do the same.
2: Yes, exactly. So one of of the themes was um, mindfulness and Arnold Schwarzenegger talks about how he used mindfulness not only um, for acting but for the gym, Yes which is why I've been listening because I'm like, "Oh okay, yeah. okay, yeah. Ruby, sweet science, let yeah. me you know think about my muscles and therefore yeah. get the m- most benefit as I'm using yeah. them you know take the attention to them um also it helps you know just I mean it always helps to be in your body you know? yeah I, I I meditate for performance yes.
1: um
2: to try and be present and you know react genuinely with my lines to whatever's being given to me. Yeah. It's very easy to go on autopilot and sort of suddenly it's over and you know you didn't really live the moment.
1: Sure one of my favourite stories which I hope is true um, is about uh, Joan Littlewood mm. uh, who was used to be an early exponent of uh, British improvisation and apparently she used to stand in the wings next to her actors mm. before they were going to go on stage and then Ask them about what they've been doing that day and ask them if they caught the late uh, program on Beauty yeah. 2 the previous night, and the actor would be sort of. A- Wincing and blinking at her, her going well, I'm going to get under my seat and she'd continue to talk at them for a while and they get a bit more ag- agitated yeah and eventually they would begin to answer her questions and she would involve them further in a conversation yeah. and then she'd just tap them on the shoulder go you should have been on and they'd have to run on and of course they would be in the moment
2: that sounds exactly like Jack Silver um, Jack Silver the director of Sweet Science no Jack Jack has trained a lot with Scott Williams um, yes. who does Meisner a lot so Jack's all about reacting in sure. the moment um, Um, and uh so yeah that it's been very interesting working with him and then working to blocking because jack jack doesn't do any blocking and then working with scott and you know um the last play that i did with jack was set in a, a theater in a not theater a space with similar lighting pretty much throughout yes. the place. So there wasn't any, you know, we didn't have to be here for this line. There's yeah. basically no blocking. and yeah. uh, Whereas now, you know, of course, it's a proscenium stage. It's not in a round.
1: And also I imagine that Lulu has to be somewhat um, stylized.
2: To, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, particularly with the, the shadow manipulations or puppetry is the wrong word because we're not using puppets, but um, it's, you know, it's very prescribed yeah. and very, has to be slow, uh, controlled. And then, you know, you're doing this, really quite focused and detailed um, fine work with your hand or your face and you know the slight tilt of the head would change the profile of your face um, to suddenly being on stage and then you know, having to interact with, yeah. uh, you know, some husband saying he's going to leave you, or sure. uh, you know, the, the concept that all your money is gone and you've lost all your worldly possessions, or you're going to be thrown in prison.
1: It uh, does sound like the most cheerful play in the world, <laughs> yeah. but it, I, 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 I'm looking forward to, to seeing it. Um, as we've discussed, you, you're not a Brighton girl, but you 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 have connections in Brighton, and you've obviously been yeah. coming down to rehearse in Brighton. Yeah. A question that we often ask is where. Do you hang out in Brighton? Sometimes sort of, sort of mm. write, and be creative, or just to sort of chill mm-hmm. out. Uh, have you discovered anywhere in Brighton that you you enjoy?
2: Uh, yeah, several places. Well, um, <clears throat> I uh, I love Marmalade. Oh yes, yeah. uh, the cafe. I think it's just on the other side of Kemptown. Town. That's yeah. near where my mum lives, so I'm there um, many mornings. Uh, I've been trying to do my lines there, but generally I look a bit mad when I'm doing my lines, because I'm talking to myself. Do you,
1: do you do this? Do you, do you, uh, can you read your lines or do you have to mouth them and a little bit face back them as well?
2: Um, I, to be honest, (laughs) I generally switch off and then I, you know, I realise like I was lying, uh, on my sofa today and, uh, wasn't aware that I was shouting be- until i scared my mum's dog who yeah. was lying next to me <laughs> and jumped up. So I feel really sorry for anybody else to live next door from me.
1: The customs uh, at Marmalade must be very confused.
2: <laughs> yes. They're all terrified of me. Yeah. They think, oh, God, she's back. Yeah. yeah. Um, no. Uh, generally, I think uh, the beach. Yes. I was just, you know, uh, along the waterfront. I was just on the bench today. Um, listening to my lines, I used the app app. Um, line learner and hear them and sort of probably mutter them under my breath to myself.
1: Do you know what, nobody yet, when I asked a question about what have you, no actor has ever said, oh, I invented an app for learning your lines.
2: I did actually. There you go. I did actually. I thought it would be really, I didn't get as specific as, you know, what, how it would be done. Sure. But I thought, I wish there was a, an app, um, but I'm sure I didn't do it before because I wasn't that tech savvy. I just no. went online and then there was one.
1: Because we're all um, doing stuff like recording our own lines through our dictaphone or stuff like that yeah
2: exactly like i've yeah. had a chat with matt who's another cast member and he's like he's just recorded his lines at left space i'm like no i get nine nine yeah just you know it's a brilliant little app yeah um that i use but yeah i mean it's just one of the ways i generally find i have to put a lot of uh, like do 80 percent of the work before i turn to something like that and it's sure. just you know sort of cues to reinforce yeah, yeah. like what reinforce what it is that I need to learn.
1: So, you're not an actor who uh, necessarily needs to be in the space with the other actors in order for those lines to.
2: No, I'd say I need to do sort of 90% of the work by myself first. I'm dyspraxic, so I have a particular way of learning and doing things. And, you know, I have to write notes about everything.
1: How does that make. Auditions for cold reading, do you get nervous? Well, cold like
2: readings are, basically, I just, I really struggle. Yeah. I mean... Uh, Patsy Rodenberg says uh, you should, you know, just practice cold reading all sure. the time. She says that one of the best actors that she's uh, best actors at cold reading that she's ever known just has, you know, a bunch of stuff by on his toilet, yeah. and that you know, whenever he's on his on his loo, he'll just, you know, pick it up. Um, so um, I've got a selection of books in the toilet that I just pick up and read <laughs> <Yeah>. whenever I'm <laughs> whenever I'm in the toilet.
1: Fantastic. I've tried that a couple of times. I get I, I get told off. Um... <laughs> And where, where, uh, where else you, you mentioned a couple of places you've mentioned Marmalade uh, in Kemptown and oh, the right. beach um, um, I love north.
2: is it called the Blue Man there's like a oh, yes. uh, just a sort of a pub with a sort of cool Turkish interior on the station road is we're there...
1: literally going there tonight oh, uh, we're going oh, to see an uh, act yeah. there part of the Brighton Fringe Sophie Hargan yeah, who oh, uh, right. also does a, a podcast she? Okay, um, okay, cool. I don't think she's listened to us just yet oh,
0: okay. um, <laughs> but we,
1: we, we listen to her uh, on I the appreciate. Guilty Feminist uh, and her own work um, podcast yeah. that's just me sort of furiously waving at her hoping for <laughs> some sort of attention i, I don't think it's going to happen uh, lizzie um oh, no. yeah. well if
2: you're going to see her tonight yeah. just introduce yourself or get <laughs> get her in for this
1: that would that would be scary
2: um, <laughs> everybody's human
1: that's a great title I, I'm, I'm, No, you can have that because it's yours um you
2: can why don't i why don't you take that as the one that i thought of and then somebody stole from me you can yeah,
1: I can be the, the story that you angrily um, mutter about in five years' time. But luckily, I won't I won't angrily mutter. But l- luckily, the, the script won't be any good, so it'll be fine. <laughs> So, so the blue the, so the blue room uh, not the, the blue man The I blue mean, man yeah, Yes And then down. also
2: the one next to it That just has a whole load of cool stuff Hanging on the ceiling But I've forgotten what that
1: was Oh called. that's right And sure.
2: then lastly coffee fix Just because it's so near the NVT And it's a great place to run lines quickly And get your one pound coffee This is
1: the thing Yes yeah, so One pound coffee um, yeah. it, it, Is it a one pound coffee Only if you take it away Or is it one pound coffee
2: one, Oh I don't know actually Because I don't drink coffee But oh. <laughs> the other cast members do um, I think it's one pound No matter where you are
1: Sure, yeah. And that's just recently opened, and as you say, it's near the NVT Yeah, They're very
2: small, but they're good.
1: They are, they are. So, uh, we should, uh, just uh, as we come to the end of the Mm -hmm. podcast, we should just remind ourselves of the dates for Lulu.
2: So, it's the 18th to the 27th of May. May. Uh, Performances at 7.45 at the New Venture Theatre space upstairs. Um, Apart from the Sunday, the 21st when it's a matinee at 2.30. That's
1: right. And tickets to the NVT are notorious for really suddenly selling out about a week before the production at least. Oh, so we're okay. we're just at the point now where yeah. they would suddenly drop out of right.
2: um, okay.
1: availability. Yeah. Um so we look forward to seeing that. Um, yeah. thank you.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
1: Thank you. This has been the Cast Iron Theatre Pocket.
0: Presented by Andrew Allen.
1: And edited by Michelle Donkin.
0: Music is Chapstick by Everett Armand. Find us
1: on Twitter, cast underscore iron acts. On Facebook, ironclad cast iron, all one word. Our website is castironbrighton.weebly.com.
0: Subscribe to us and rate us on SoundCloud and iTunes.
1: Thanks for listening. I'm unprepared for how I'm going to begin my opening spiel. Let's but uh,
0: I didn't think that you'd start. I'm <laughs> I, sorry. i was warming I myself up. <laughs> that was your opening spiel. The non-preparedness. I can say it's fine, darling. It, we'll just we'll just edit away.
1: It wasn't going to be my opening spiel. I, I was revving the engine. Is basically what was happening there.